my simple solution to the problem was remove people from the scene and help them feel safer. In response to attacks against Asian Americans, Maddie Park raised over $250,000 to donate cab rides to the Asian community. There is so much more work to be done. We really need to come together and tackle this issue as a community. Support the Asian community. Learn how at lovehasnolabels.com. Brought to you by Love Has No Labels and the Ad Council. Welcome to Season 9 of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. I've got some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring the one and only Chris Jenner. Oh my gosh, congratulations. That is very, very exciting. And that's just the beginning. We'll also be joined by podcast host Jay Shetty, Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, and many more. So come on in, take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. Join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. We gather a seasoned elder, myself as the middle generation, and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations, prepare to engage or hear perspectives that literally no one else has had. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Money Making Conversation Masterclass. I'm your host, Rashawn McDonald. I recognize that we all have different definitions of success. For you, it may be the size of your paycheck. Mine is inspiring people to accomplish their goals and live their very best life. It's time to stop reading other people's success stories and start writing your own. People always talk about their purpose or gift. If you have a gift, leave with your gifts and don't let your friends, family, or coworkers stop you from planning or living your dreams. My next guest is a person who leads with her gifts and shares her gifts. Her name is Felicia D. Henderson. She started a Hollywood career writing on popular sitcoms. Then a major shift occurred because she's the creator of Showtime's Emmy-nominated series Soul Food, television's first multi-season African-American drama. Currently, she is the showrunner, executive producer, and head writer of the action-filled romantic drama First Kill, premiering on Netflix June 10th. The show pits a family of vampires who are white against a family of monster hunters who are black. She's also developing the World War II drama Avenger Field for Peacock. The series stars Renee Zellweger as Jackie Cochran, who co-founded the who co-founded the U.S. Army first woman's only woman's pilot training program, and at the time of her death. In 1980, was the most accomplished American pilot, male or female, in American history. Please welcome to Money Making Conversation Masterclass, the one and only Felicia D. Henderson. How you doing, Felicia? Hi, good morning. How are you doing? Well, you know, or good um, afternoon for you, right? Good afternoon. Yes, afternoon. I'm on the East Coast. I knew you West Coast, you know, but you was out here on the West Coast, East Coast, doing you know, in Atlanta and Savannah, doing this amazing series called First Kill. There was... Uh, that was interesting because of the fact that, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a cool play on race. It's a cool play on kind of like a Romeo and Juliet play on romance. Mm-hmm. But how did the concept come to you? <laughs> Thank you. And um, I love that you say it's a cool play on these things um, because, um, well, first, I'm going to start with answering your question. <laughs> um, the way that this came to me is Victoria Schwab also known um, as B.E. Schwab in her writing, um, wrote a short story called First Kill. Mm -hmm. And it's part of an anthology um, 
called Vampires Never Die. Mm-hmm. And um, then Netflix liked it and uh, hired her then to adapt it into a TV show. Mm-hmm. So she wrote the pilot script and then um, Netflix called my manager and asked me to read it. And I was like, nope, my cup runneth over. Right. <laughs> I, do. I don't have time for something new. And he said, you just have to read it. And I think two or three times I was like, nope. And um, finally, he's like, for me, you know, you have longtime manager, longtime relationship. Right. They get mm-hmm. you with the for me. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> I read it and I was like, I'm in. Let's mm-hmm. set the meeting up. And um, and I, I so I loved it. And that's how I then took the meeting with Netflix, uh, met with Victoria, met with um, the folks at Bellatrix, uh, um, the other producers, and um, decided to come aboard. Now, let me ask you this. Where were you at with the development of the project? Was the project already in motion, or you were at the early creative stages, casting? Where was it? I want the, I want the oh, audience gosh, to really get a yes. full take of where first kill where you were introduced, because you said no four times. So I knew they were moving <laughs> along while you were saying no, sitting around thinking. <laughs> well, no, actually, because... Mm-hmm. To Netflix's credit, mm-hmm. they really realized they needed a voice like mine okay. in the room. Mm-hmm. And I um, I really appreciate that they knew that this cast is, one, it is 50% um, Black, you mm-hmm. know, um, and so, and it is also at the center has two young women. Mm-hmm. So they really realized this was something that was missing you know, from where they were so far creatively. Mm-hmm. So what they had was um, Victoria's script, but they really had not moved forward because they were looking for me, basically. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And um, so from the very beginning, um, you know, I got to take a look at the script and add what I know about cultural specificity um, to those characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then from there, I got to hire my writing staff. Right. And, you know, then from there as a group, we, oh, and hired then the director. Mm-hmm. And then as a group, we started the casting process. Um, and um, so all of that, you know, right. some um, like Jason Moore, who plays Jack Burns, was an actor that I worked with on mm-hmm. The Punisher, mm-hmm. whom I love. So he was I thought the first he looked familiar. I thought mind. he looked familiar. I said, where do I know this guy from? Punisher was one of my favorite That's series. right. Mm-hmm. Yes, from the Punisher, you know, I knew him. And so, you know, um, so it just started like that. You know, Juliet, the Juliet of Fairmont, who's played by Sarah Catherine Hook, was the first hired. We really thought we were going to have a hard time finding the right Juliet. So that's where we started, you know. And she was outstanding, by the way, that plays the role Isn't of she? Juliet. Outstanding. And you had Cal was her, also had shared the romantic lead, who was African-American. And so the whole process, when I look at this series, you know, you know, you have to be sensitive because, like I said, I can I can sit down and say I'm a very talented writer. But you have a you have a, a world that is gay and lesbian. OK, from a writer's perspective, did you was your was your writer's room balanced like that to be able to handle that conversation? Oh, that's a good question, Rashawn. Um, you know, I'm a big believer that the writer's room should have the experience that you're depicting on yes. the screen. Mm-hmm. So, you know, somebody in that room. And 
again, you can't always have that. Obviously, if you're doing a show about aliens, you don't have aliens on the right staff, you know, but you have someone in there who knows the aliens more than anybody else who's an alien expert. You know what I mean? Yes. So <laughs> I thought it was very important that, um, and I also, having had the experience of being the only Black writer in a room that might have a show that might have one or two Black characters, and so I've had that experience where then they come to you and every time there's something for the black character to do, you know, they just go, so would you do that? And so I also wanted to make sure there wasn't just one queer person in the room right. who everybody was looking at going. And now we turn to you as the queer expert. Right, right, Because, right. you know, it's like, like all experiences, there's no such thing as a monolithic experience of right. whatever it is that you are. And so it was important to me to have you know, men and women, queer writers in the room. It was important for me to have black writers. It's important to have white writers. It was important, you know, for all the experiences that I thought we were going to be depicting. Right, right. Obviously, there are no vampires. We'll be right back with more Money Making Conversations Masterclass with Rashawn McDonald. Now let's return to Money Making Conversations Masterclass with Rashawn McDonald. I'm speaking to Felicia D. Henderson, one of the top sitcom and dramatic writers and film writers in Hollywood in her new series, First, Cure, First Kill. Uh, like I said, it's, a, it's an action-filled romantic drama, and it's eight episodes long, and it premieres Juneteenth. And I'm an advocate. Uh, I, uh, you know, I get special access because you know who I am. So I got to be able to <laughs> binge watch. You know, I saw four episodes on Four episodes on Saturday, and I saw four episodes on um, uh, on uh, Sunday. I called her in the middle because we have a great relationship with long-term friends and just told her I loved it. And that's just why I'm going to tell you why I loved it. Because, first of all, it, it was engaging. It was um, it was entertaining. It was uh, it misled me in a good way, you know, because I'm a know-it-all. I think, oh, I've, and that's, that's good writing. You know, that's good storytelling that you engaged. And so when you're looking at when you're developing these characters, because because you have these these monster hunters, and then you have these vampires. They don't know each other, and then you're trying to create a relationship. And what what came out of it was a parenting story. Correct. Yeah, it what really was very much about family and um, getting the opportunity to. Compare, you know, two very different households. You yes. know, you have warring families. They're the Capulets and the Montagues for all intents and purposes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so you get to go inside both of these young women's homes and see how the fact that they now want to do what they want to do as opposed to what they were raised to do mm-hmm. and see how each set of parents deal with the fact that their, their child is not doing what they're told. And so in that way, we tried very much um, to have those experience, that part of the experience be incredibly normal because everyone who's a parent knows what it's like when you say go left and your child goes right. That's incredibly universal. So in that part, it's like it is time for you to do what you're told. You are 16 now. You're, but the thing that's different is like it's time for you to go. Uh, you're a vampire, so it's time for you to go right. have your first kill. Right. But how you're dealing with the idea of do what you're told, grow up and be like your family. Right. That's what both girls are being told. Be like your family. Well, you know, it's and really interesting. both girls decide on their own road. Yeah, because because you're dealing with 
the reason I say it's a really good parenting story because, like all parents, we we know how to make decisions and we feel our life is headed in the right direction. Uh, mm-hmm. Juliet's father is a DA. The, the setting is Savannah, Georgia, which has that, like, you know, Savannah has that little, is next to New Orleans, it has that little, ooh, voodoo type vampire, ooh, yes. something's happening in the swamps type area, at, at look background look to it. And then you have these monster hunters who are at the top of the gill. You know, they're, they're the best. You know, they, they were brought into Savannah because they are here to do their job. So these are the parents. DA, successful, lead monster hunters. Then they have two daughters who are teens at that right age where they feel they're kind of grown, but they're not grown. Yes. That's what stood out to me the most in your writing room that you created with First Kill. What were some of the fun uh, journeys that y'all had putting each episode together. Oh, my God. We had so much fun. And, you know, one of the things you said earlier um, about, I always say when I'm putting the writing writer's room together, Rashawn, I don't really need anyone who thinks like me. I already think like me. Right. So I'm not one of those who tries to get a whole bunch of people who, you know, are going to say, yes, you're brilliant. I also say I, my goal is to always be you know, the dumbest person in the room, and I am really freaking smart. So that I am trying to, you know, elevate myself. I'm trying to elevate the material when I bring this group together. And um, Victoria and I still have the ongoing battle, all fun, that she's like, well, you know, there are no such thing as straight vampires. I was like, (laughs) what are you talking about? So we have this ongoing battle about... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> All vampires being queer. No, Victoria, if I were a vampire, I'd be a straight vampire. She's like, no, you wouldn't, because if you're a vampire, you'd be queer. So we have these kind of fun conversations. And then just people talking about, as you know, the, the other writers in the room who are parents, mm-hmm. like what they would do if their daughter did this thing. Right. And so, you know, I had my, my second, my co-EP, she is a mother of four children. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, what would you do, Joyce? Like, drown them? I was like, what? She's like, my child can do something other than what I told her to do. So you have that kind of fun stuff. And then you have the fun conversations about building the mythology. Right. Because the room really built that mythology, you know, from whole cloth, where the short story that Victoria wrote leads off. The short story is kind of the pilot. We do the short story in the pilot. Right. Okay. And then we have to create an entire series. And so being in that room and deciding you know, what the guild would look like, what would be the rules of the guild? How do you get into the guild? Where do these you know, legacy vampires come from? What is their mythology? Who's the biggest, baddest one? And to also be doing that where you unapologetically within our mythology, the legacy vampires, right. you know, it's a matriarchy. Cool. So to talk about strong women getting to do you know, what we do and them being unapologetic about that because mm-hmm. that's in the mythology was just all very cool. Well, the, the interesting thing about the, the series First Kill is, is preparation, okay, because a lot of people, it was a lot of action, a lot of scenes. So how did that work out? Okay, was there a period for training, action training, before you started mm-hmm. production? And how did that production went to work when you're doing a series like that? That is romantic, but it's very heavy action field. And because w- the stuff you have to, you're doing can't lead to injuries. So you can't no. just go out there and ad lib it. So talk about. No, sir. That was, you know, you did the Punisher. So you used to violence, you know, violence on the street. So 
Can't get no more violent than Punisher. But then yes. this is your personal project but that you're going to see. Violence with a purpose. Yeah, purpose violence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I would tell you so. that before you answer that question. The fun part about this series is that you have the vampires who are somewhat invincible. Okay. And then you have a young African-American girl. Her name is Cal on the show. And she is can be harmed. She can be hurt. She's vulnerable. She's a human. And that mm-hmm. carries an emotion for you throughout the series of fear that something can go wrong. And that is really key in this series for me as a watcher going, don't go there. Don't do go, Come on now. Don't be stupid now. And so that was the that was the whole training process. I'm just telling you, I enjoyed it as a viewer, but also yes. as a friend. Congratulations. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, Take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic. oracle.com slash strategic. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh, great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Check the backseat. Check the backseat. Gets in your head, right? Good. Because every year, dozens of children are forgotten in the backseat of a car by a parent or caregiver. All never thought it could happen to them. But with changes in routines, distractions, or a sleeping child, it can happen to anyone. Parked cars get hot fast and can be deadly. So get it in your head. Check the backseat. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. Thank you so much, Rashawn. I really, really appreciate that because I know that you are a very critical watcher. <laughs> You're a very critical viewer. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that very well. So it meant a lot to me to get that Sunday afternoon call from you going, I'm in. Um, because <laughs> I also know you to be a very honest guy. Right, right. So you would tell me mm-hmm. I'm not in as well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, so I'm I honest. It's an honest that. interview. worked really, really hard. Um, you know, everyone did. And and I will tell you, the, 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 the two brothers, you know, um, from the time that the actors arrived, they went into training, okay. you know, with, with the stunt They played the roles of Apollo and Theo. 
Yes, yes, Apollo Burns and um, Dominic Goodman plays um, Apollo and Philip Mullins Jr. plays uh, Theo. Mm -hmm. And they're both in incredible shape. And so it became a competition between right. them. Right. <laughs> and they ended up being thick as thieves. Like they really did have that brotherly relationship. Uh -huh. And um, but they were like they were just always competitive with each other. And of course, particularly Dominic was always asking, can he do that stunt? You know, we also have stunt performers, right. but he would often want to do that stunt. Can I do that? And like, no, you cannot. But they did 90% <laughs> of their own stunts because they came, you know, ready to work that hard. And, right. um, and of course, Amani Lewis, she's a natural athlete as well, who plays Calliope Burns. So they all, there. it's natural athletes who already came with bodies ready and then they worked really hard and wanted to, everybody wanted it to just look really authentic. And so they worked really hard to make sure that it did. And I was just, I was so, so proud of them. It's the best cast. They just all came and put, gave a hundred percent every single day. You have to, you know, you're battling COVID. Okay. You know, it's not a normal time when this production was happening. People masked up and, you know, mm -hmm. being tested. How did that play a role in a frustration in this production at the time it was going on? And, but on the screen, you don't see that. All you see is a final result. Talk about yes. that. Yes. No, you don't see those extra 20 hours a day that, you know, I <laughs> was working because of COVID and that we started before there were vaccines. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it was, a, and, but Netflix had very strict policies to keep us safe. And I was very strict about them. And, you know, I gave speeches I, on the set to let every, all the cast and the crew know we will be following this protocol because I promised my family I'm coming home as healthy as I left. Absolutely. And so we were very strict about it, but it did mean, you know, that it took longer um, because we could only work shorter days to give people mass breaks because those things could get overwhelming when you're wearing them 12 hours a day and all of that kind of thing, you know. So it was it, the only ever frustrations that I ever had had to do with the challenge of, you know, producing this show during very challenging times. Right. The actual, you know, creative side of it was wonderful, amazing and fun, you know, every day. And because everyone was working so hard, um, it made the stuff that made it difficult, like working during COVID, you could get through it because we were all a team trying to make it. We'll be right back with more Money Making Conversations Masterclass with Rashawn McDonald. Now let's return to Money Making Conversations Masterclass with Rashawn McDonald. Here's an interesting question, Felicia, about the series, you know, because, you know, it, you 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 got you got eight episodes here. You know you 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 go you you put it on the wall. You try to develop this arc, how the characters connect, and all this stuff. When did you feel at that point? Go, I got it. And then you felt that magical moment. This is special. Yeah, I got it. That's one response. And then this is special. Um, I think that I have to give a lot of love and big props to Jet Wilkinson, our director. Um, Jet just, oh my God, you know, and I met her on The Punishers when we first worked together. She directed an episode I wrote and we just really clicked. And she was the first one person that I thought of, you know, because she, it had to be a woman, I thought. It had to be a woman with the kind of experience that she has um, in terms of doing, you know, action. And she happens to also be, so she's kick ass and then she happens to be a queer woman. Mm -hmm. So Jet, and, and a woman of color. So she brought all of that to bear on this. And um, 
watching her work, you know that you have, you just go, oh my God, I can't believe what we're accomplishing in these conditions. But when I really felt, Rashawn, like we've got it, I was in editing. You know, it took me <laughs> seeing it all being put together and mm-hmm. then the visual effects added and then Kirk Farquhar to write that killer score. You know, Netflix loved the music so much that there is a soundtrack coming out with the score. We have two official playlists of the, the music from the show all being dropped on Friday, June 10th, um, when the show drops. So it was seeing it all together going, I am so proud of this. Like I knew when I saw it all together, like I, that feeling of like, I know this is good. Absolutely. I know this is good. I know we're speaking to a lot of people. I know people are going to enjoy it and they're going to learn something. And they're going to appreciate that. We're talking to Felicia D. Henderson. Uh, she's the executive producer, the showrunner, the head writer of the exciting action field romantic drama on uh, Netflix. Premiere Juneteenth is called First Kill. One of the things I've always admired about Felicia D. Henderson is her ability to pivot. If she's if, if she's not a person that you, if you're holding hands, walking down the road, know she might veer off. So hold it tight. So hold it tight. Because she will actually... Pull you in her direction if she sees an opportunity that she's comfortable with. And that's that's what a lot of people don't do. They get fear, stops them from shifting. How does it allow, before I go into the Renee, Renee Zerwinger project, how does that walking through silence, as some people say, or walking, uh, willing to come through, go through darkness to come out and potentially mm-hmm. into the light, how do, you, how do you pull that off, Felicia? Um... You know what? I think that I have an interesting relationship with fear Mm -hmm. Um, and that a lot of times, even my youngest sister, we once had an argument and she goes, well, I'm not like you. You know, you're not afraid of anything. (laughs) And I I said to her, actually, I'm afraid all the time. I just move despite my fear. And um, I'm not going to ever let it control me. Mm -hmm. And I also am a person who I'm all, I'm just naturally inquisitive. So if I haven't done something before, um, if something looks interesting to, interesting to me, I always believe I can do it. So I'm like, I want to try that thing. I love trying new things. Um, I'm at a point in my career that I only want to choose things that are significant in some way to me. Am I uplifting my race? Am I up, uplifting women? Am I up, uplifting um, groups that are not, um, you know, represented well or not enough. And, you know, first, my job always is to entertain. But while entertaining, I want to be fed myself. I'm at a place where I want to be fed. So I'm always looking for what haven't I done that then could be interesting to me. And right. um, it's always scary, particularly if you don't know what you're doing. But I take my full and whole self going Let's go, you know. So it's a little fearful. I go anyway. And then once I make that leap, my eye is only on the goal. So no matter what happens, like with production on First Kill, you would be amazed at all that went wrong if I had time to tell you. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, people are like, oh, it's time to shut down. Oh, we're never going to make it. It's time. And I I don't talk to those people. Right. Because right. I didn't come here to shut down. Right. You know what I mean? I came here to do a show. I will not leave until that show is done. Now, so that, that lends us to shift over to another exciting project that's coming up. You know, when you look at the streaming and the cable, and at first I only had like, a, I had a direct TV. 
And then I had Comcast. If DirecTV, if the rain came too hard, you know, DirecTV went away. So I always <laughs> had Comcast sitting over there. Okay, I was still watching TV. Okay. And fortunately for me, I've discovered that Comcast is part of Peacock. So if you have Comcast, you will get Peacock. And so mm-hmm. that means that I don't have to buy. I already got Apple anyway. I already got Disney Plus anyway. I already got Hulu anyway. I already got HBO Plus because I got the Disney, because I got DirecTV. So this is on Peacock. It's called Avenger Field. It stars an incredibly talented actress. When you're able to work with talent like that, you know, you go, because mm-hmm. you're going from a very talented crew of, we are not, no, no dispersion, unknown talent. You know, some have excellent resumes to a bona fide, well-known actress in Renee Zellwinger. That's who this project's being developed for. Talk about making that transition and how do you look at it differently? Um, You know what? You try your best. Once you take it and you say, you know, you try to bring your A game in anything you do. Right. Or I certainly do. And so once I say I'm going to bring, you know, writing and producing, are just the gifts that God decided I should have. Right. So the way I say thank you for that is I bring my A game. I work as hard as I can. And so I want to be worthy of, you know, having been given the gift. And I want to be worthy of, you know, a two-time Oscar-winning actress's ability, right? Mm -hmm. So that's where I start. But once I do that, realize the opportunity, the blessing I've been given, I put it to the side, Rashawn, because then I just have to focus on doing the best work I can. Mm-hmm. Because if I focus on, oh my gosh, this is for Renee Zellweger, right. <laughs> then, you know, your mind gets all screwy and then the pressure gets to you, you know, and yet if I do my best, it will be good enough for her. But if I focus on you know, the stuff that I can't control, you know, uh, will she like it? Then I can't do my best work. Right. So I come to the table already knowing what an amazing honor it is to be, get a chance to write for Renee Zellweger. Like, that's huge. I bow down. She's amazing. And so I thank God for bringing me to this place. And, and then I put it over here to the side so that I can do the job that would be worthy of her by focusing on the job, the words on the page. Well, my friend, as long as I've known you, you pushed me and you've been focused. And if I'm not focused, you refocus me. But more importantly, you, you mm-hmm. the fact that you're working on the series that I got to see on Netflix that somebody I love and I admire and I've seen grow in this industry, transition from comedy and fearlessness, you know, before the word fearlessness was out there, you were fierce, okay? So let's go on, be real. Forget Beyonce. This is the real fierce right here. <laughs> this, <I'll take> Beyonce. <laughs> so again, first kill, a premiering on Netflix June 10th. You gotta watch it. Not because she's my friend. It's, it's entertaining, it's funny, it's action-filled for sure, and it's a pretty cool take on Romeo and Juliet. And um, and it's a parenting movie that really, really strikes you as something relatable to anybody who wants their child to have a better life than they had when they were growing up. And that's what they're fighting in this family of hunters and vampires. It's called First Kill on Netflix. Thank you. Thank you, Felicia D. Henderson. Thank for coming you, Rashawn McDonald. I love you and I appreciate <laughs> you having me on. I, I really, really do. Thank you so much. And we'll talk again on the other side. Absolutely. <laughs> All righty. I want to thank everybody. If you want to see me, 
or any of these episodes on my show, go to moneymakingconversation.com. I'm Rashawn McDonald. I am your host. Thank you.